everybody. Welcome to another episode of Laguna Beach, the podcast. As always, it's your host, Kelly. I hope you had a good week. I will say, I am exhausted today. I have not been sleeping great, and I feel like I'm about to sound like an ad. I'm going to be like, I haven't been sleeping good, but I tried so, so, and so, and now I'm sleeping great. That is not the case. (laughs) Hopefully, I find something that helps. A lot of you gave really awesome ideas. The number one thing that people said to try was weed, but unfortunately, it is not legal in Tennessee, or else I would probably be doing that. Um, A lot of people also said an eye mask. I can't sleep with eye masks on. Another person said, like, keep your TV on low. I can't fall asleep with my TV on. I'm really difficult. I'm a very difficult person when it comes to, like, sleeping and all of that. And I'm going through phases. And I think it's just stress. So I am going to start taking, like, nightly walks around my neighborhood and stuff like that. So hopefully that helps with everything that's going on. This week, we have a really great episode. Um, Also, I'm going to say this really quick. The Hills should not be 30 episodes in a season. This season is so long, season three. I'm like, let's wrap it up, people. Let's wrap it up. This episode is a good one, but I do think it's almost like a filler episode for the finale, or two episodes is the finale. But I do feel like it is just a... Like, a filler episode, I guess. And it's only 19 minutes long, so it's one of the shorter episodes. But at the end of this episode, I have Bridget Thorson, who wrote a book called XOXO, a cocktail book. And it's based, it's like a love letter to Gossip Girl. I know we all love Gossip Girl. So we talked a little bit about our favorite Gossip Girl moments, everything. We talked about her book. So it's really awesome, and that's going to be at the end of this episode. Also, really quick, I feel like pop culture hasn't been giving us much lately. Pretty annoyed with it. Pretty upset that the celebrities are keeping their shit together. Like, come on, guys. We only have so much that we can handle. (laughs) But I do have some pop culture stuff to go over, as always, and that'll be after the episode recap. Next week, I'm going to have two guests on the podcast. We're going to have our friend Ryan Bailey. We're going to be talking about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I loved. Okay, you guys know it took me a while to get on the Salt, I mean, to get on the Real Housewives bandwagon, but I'm here. I'm, I'm in it to win it with, for this one. The other guest is going to be our friend Alexandra, and her podcast is called One Last Thing, and she talks a lot about mental health, pop culture. So we're going to have a great time, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I know I'm going to. So this episode is Season 3, Episode 27, and it's called There's No Place Like Home. I'm sorry. It's called No Place Like Home. (laughs) So during the recap, Elsie kind of gives us the rundown, and she tells us that now there is space between her and Audrina. She's like, now that we live in a new place, there's new space between us. I don't think she actually says that, but she definitely should have. And then she also says that Heidi has had it with Spencer and she's ready to take control of her life. Of course, it's kind of sad now that we know that these two weren't actually broken up and Spencer was pulling the strings the whole time. But in this made up world that we're watching, she's taking control of her own life and she is ready to get away from Spencer for a while. So we start the episode off at Bolt House and we see Zaddy Brent for the first time in a while. But Heidi walks into his office and they're just catching up. But Heidi says she wants to grow with the company. She says she's open to traveling or relocating. And this bugs me, the way Heidi speaks when she's trying to have serious conversations. She's like, I just, I just really want to grow with the company. And, um, and I just really feel like I would, um, I feel like I would, um, do a really great job. And it's the tone of it, like the deeper voice. And it's very 
monotone. I just, I can't stand it. It's kind of like when Lauren talks to guys and she starts talking like this. When um, when Heidi tries to be serious, she starts talking like this. <laughs> it's so weird. But Brent says he wants to expand the Hyde brand. And I'm curious if that is the same club that Frankie Delgado now runs. Because I know Frankie grew up like in Hollywood. Well, he grew up in Mexico, moved to Hollywood and became basically a promoter for all the clubs. And now he runs Hyde Company. He's still a promoter, though. I, I don't know if he manages Hyde, though, but I don't know. Anyway, Brent basically says he just wants to expand the brand. And he says, well, what it means is we're all working at a daunting pace. You'll have to be more involved. You'll have to stay at the casino in Vegas. Sounds brilliant. I'm so excited. That is Heidi's response. She's ready to be in Vegas, ready to get away from Spencer for a little bit, and she's ready for more responsibility. Now we're at Audrina in the Lauren's house, and the Lauren's are poolside chilling. Lo is sipping on a little cocktail. Lauren's just hanging out, and Lo asks where Audrina is. I believe she's in her room hotel. I don't want to wake her, though, if she's still sleeping. Yeah, just let her come out at her own time. Lo's really rude towards Audrina. I definitely think that she wanted to just move in with Lauren and Lauren kind of pushed for Audrina to come, but Lo didn't want to say no to Lauren because nobody says no to Lauren, comrade. But on cue, Audrina comes out and she tells them she's going to work with a band called Alkaline Trio. And I believe they were a pretty big band at the time. I really remember hearing their name. But yeah, she says she's working with a band called Alkaline Trio. And Lo's like, is it for work? And she's like, yeah, I just have to go there and make sure everything's running smoothly, make sure everything's cool. And what's crazy is if you think about it, The Hills was such a big pop culture moment that bands wanted to be on the show. Maybe not every band, of course, but bands wanted to be on that show to get with the crowd. They want to get with the teenagers who are buying their music. So Alkaline Trio probably had no idea who Audrina was, but knew what The Hills was and was like, yeah, get us on there. So she invites the Laurens to come to the studio and Lauren Conrad says, we could be groupies for the day. And then Audrina's like, I'll text you the address. And Lauren says they should do dinner after because they haven't celebrated roommateness. She says roommateness is the word she goes with. She could have said we haven't celebrated being roommates yet, but she decided to go with roommateness. But Lo stays quiet the whole time and then says, all I want to do is shop. And Lauren kind of is like, yeah, that's all you ever want to do. So we're going to hang out with Audrina and it's going to be okay. So now we're back at Bolt House and Heidi visits with Kimberly to talk about her conversation with Brent. And Kimberly seems really annoyed. I don't think she's loving being the new Elodie at this point. She's kind of like, oh my God, does Heidi have any other friends? I'm so sick of this. But she comes up and she's like, hey, I just I just got out of a meeting with Brent and he wants me to be a project manager. And Kimberly looks genuinely shocked by this information. She's like, oh, really? And then Heidi starts trying to explain her fake role that they just made up for her for this storyline. Yeah, I'll be with Hyde and like being in hotels and stuff. And he said I get to go to Vegas, but like it's way more involved, a project manager. And Heidi says it's all happening within a few days. Kimberly's like, oh, like when when is this all going to happen? She's like, definitely within a few days. And it's, it's, it's a really big job and it's a big step for me with the company. And Kimberly's like, oh my God, I actually really work here. Please take me out of my misery. Please get Heidi fired or something. But Kimberly quickly says, well, what's Spencer going to say? And Heidi just says, I don't care what Spencer has to say. This doesn't have to do with him. The next scene takes place at Pulse Studios. 
and we hear their rock music and it's very Audrina. It's a very Audrina vibe. I assume it's what Audrina listens to on the daily. But she's standing there with our girl Kiara and it makes me wish that we got more Kiara. I feel like she's the only one who kept it real for the whole show. She she would call people out. She'd be like, wow, this is awkward or like, wow, Heidi's shouldn't be over here. Whatever she'd say. But I liked Kiara a lot. But the Laurens end up showing up and Lauren seems really into it. But of course, Lowe does not. Lowe does not want to be there. Whereas Lauren's trying to put in at least a little effort because she knows her and Audrina are starting to drift apart. So the band kind of takes a tiny break and Audrina goes, do you like them? And Lauren says, yeah. And then it's a really weird moment because it's kind of like a five second delay and Lo just goes, yeah, it's good. And she says it while typing on her Blackberry. She is not into this and she's kind of letting it be known that she's not interested in listening to Alkaline Trio at the moment. All she wants to do is shop. But it's kind of weird. So they stay for like three minutes out of nowhere. Lo's like, I'm hungry. And Lauren goes, want to get sushi? And Lo's like, yeah, of course I want to get sushi. So they kind of look at Audrina and it's weird. They're like, okay, well, we'll text. Can you come with us? And Audrina's like, well, I'm working. I have to stay until they're done. And Lauren says, okay, well, we'll see you later. And like I said, they stay there for like five seconds. And it almost reminds me of in Laguna season one, when Trey does his first open mic and Lauren and Lowe show up and Lowe's like, sushi, sushi, I want to go to sushi, whatever she says. And Lauren's like, we have to spend a little time to support Trey. And Lowe's like, well, I'm hungry and I want sushi. It really reminds me a lot of that scene. But then our girl Kiara says what we're all thinking. And she goes, that's rude. They were here for like five seconds. And Audrina just nods her head, like looking off into the distance as she does. She looks upset, but you can never really read Audrina. I feel like Audrina always looks fairly upset. But we cut to Lo and Lauren leaving the studio and Lauren says, I wish she'd come with us, but we have because we haven't even had like a roommate dinner yet, you know? And Lo just kind of shrugs her shoulders and says, we'll just bring her some food home. But they're making it seem like she doesn't want to go to dinner with them. It's like, guys, she's working. Audrina has a job that she has to stay at. You guys just like bop around and be bitty bops, do whatever you want. Now, the very next scene, we are at a restaurant called Lucky Fish. And they make a point to say that it is in Beverly Hills. So they want us to know that Lauren and Lo are fancy bitches. That's what they want us to know. But it has like a sushi train, which I've always seen it on like movies or television shows, but never in real life. Maybe one day, definitely not in these trying times, (laughs) but maybe one day I will be able to experience a sushi train. But the girls sit down and they're kind of looking at all the sushi as it passes by. They have no idea what the sushi is, but Lauren says, this one looks good. She takes hers, Lo takes hers. And then Lauren says, I think Audrina wanted us to stay the whole time. And Lo says, I'm just not cool enough to hang with bands. And I kind of wonder, is Lo insecure? Is that like a little bit of insecurity popping out? Or do you think that Lo just had no interest in being a part of whatever Audrina wanted to do? Because I've actually felt that way. I've been invited places and I don't feel cool enough. So maybe it's a little bit of that. But also maybe Lo just does not care for Audrina. But then Lauren says, I feel bad. We should get Audrina a present. We should get her a Chateau Audrina sign, which I think is a great idea. Look at Lauren trying to step up knowing she was kind of a shitty friend but doesn't want to just apologize and be like, hey, sorry I didn't stay the whole time. But instead she's like, I'm not going to apologize, but I will get you a gift and hopefully you accept it because that's the way I'm going to apologize to you. But after she mentions the sign, Lo just goes, yeah. 
like so uninterested, does not want to talk about Audrina anymore, does not want to talk about how they should have stayed the whole time anymore. And then Lauren says, I hope she doesn't just like stay back there. I feel like it might be different now that you live there because it's like pulling teeth trying to get her to talk about stuff, whereas you're one of the first people I call. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, didn't you expect this? (laughs) And I understand like the later part of season three and from going forward, this is very fake. I'm very aware of that. But still, it's kind of like, Lauren, I don't really feel bad. I do think Audrina tried a little bit. Maybe she could try harder. Maybe you guys can meet in the middle. I mean, meet at the fountain in the backyard and just talk it out. But Lo ends up saying, it's just a different dynamic because we've been best friends since we were little. And Lauren seems very stressed about it. Lo Bosworth does not give one fuck about it. Lauren Conrad really cares. She looks really worried. And there's a part of me that's like, Do you think in the back of her head, she was like, oh my God, people are going to call me controlling. They're going to say I'm a controlling friend. But I don't think anyone really called Lauren a controlling friend until after The Hills already aired and we all grew up a little bit. But you guys know how I feel about all that. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Maybe one, maybe, maybe I'll get into it again. Not right now though. But now we're at Heidi's apartment and of course Steph shows up because that's all that Heidi has is Stephanie Pratt. And she comments on how clean the apartment is. She walks in, she's like, whoa, is this the same place? And then Steph says that Spencer is a nightmare. She's like, I hate having him at my place. He needs to go. Steph actually says he's got to move out somewhere. And then Heidi's response is, well, I guess he's just going to be homeless then. (laughs) Again, this is when Heidi was a savage, right? Like, Her personality during this time, what a little boss trying to take back her life after Spencer isolated her from so many different people in her life. But Heidi then starts talking about her new made-up job and how she's going to be traveling with Sam and Brent. We know Brent. We have never met Sam before. But of course, Stephanie goes, who's Sam? Is he hot? Um, he's like the owner of SBE. And you're working with them? Yeah, as a project manager, and they got a hotel in Vegas, so I'll be in Vegas for a while. It's going to be good to clear my head. And Steph's reaction is the same as mine and probably the same as all of yours. She goes, clear your head in Vegas, in Sin City? That's where you're going to clear your head? I feel like if I wanted to get out of my mind, I'd probably go to Vegas. If I want to get pretty wild and forget some shit, I would go to Vegas. Definitely not to clear my head. Vegas is not the move for that. And Heidi's response to that is, there's nothing holding me back. He's going to move on, so I got to move on. And Steph says, but do you want this? Like, do you guys want this? I would never. I know deep down he doesn't want to date anyone else. You guys are perfect for each other. But I feel like Stephanie hasn't always sang that tune. I feel like that she has been back and forth being like, you deserve a lot better than my loser brother who lives on my couch. But now Stephanie's like, no, you guys are perfect for one another. And Heidi's response is just like, I don't know. So Heidi then tells Steph that she cannot tell Spencer about this because it doesn't involve him. She's like, you can't tell him though, okay? Yeah, because that has always worked out when you've told Stephanie not to tell Spencer things. But after that moment, we are back at Audrina in the Lauren's house and we find out that Lo and Lauren actually got a puppy. And either Lo or Lauren say this. I forgot to write down who says it. But they're like, oh my God, she has blue eyes just like us. But we find out her name is Chloe, and I believe Lauren had Chloe for a really long time. I think she unfortunately just passed away maybe a year or two ago. But Audrina walks in and she's like, oh my god, you got a puppy? And they introduce Audrina to the puppy, and Audrina looks so happy, but she also looks like she could burst into tears. That is how Audrina looks for all this episode. You don't know if she's going to laugh, smile, cry. You have no idea. 
But I mean, I guess I would be both excited but also feel left out. She's kind of like, you went to Petco and got everything for him? And they were like, yeah, we spend a ton of money. And it sounds like they didn't even ask if they could get a dog. And I guess it's Audrina lives in the guest house, so maybe that's why they felt like they didn't need to ask. But I feel like that's something roommates should talk about. And then Audrina goes, where are you going to keep her? One of us will sleep with her. At puppy daycare, she'll be like, I have two moms. And that's something Lo says. And Audrina just looks sad. She looks so sad watching the Laurens play with Chloe. Also, during this, the background song is a great background song. It's the song It's Only Life by Kate Vogel. One of the best songs. Maybe not one of the best songs, but a really good song. And sometimes it's just like a refresher song. You know what I mean? I feel like Unwritten is a refresher song for me. When I hear it, I feel like (laughs) clean. (laughs) I feel clean in a way. And that's how I feel about It's Only Life by Kate Vogel. It was actually my senior quote because I was very worried that, number one, I would leave people out of my little, like, yearbook blob. But then I was also worried I'd put people in who didn't put me in their blog blob. And, I mean, that is embarrassing. So I just put song lyrics and left it at that. The next scene, we are at Steph's apartment, and she's yelling at Spencer for not tying the bread. She's holding up bread, and she's like, this is how bread goes stale, Spencer. I guess that was more like a Kristen voice than a Steph voice. But they get into a fight and Steph basically kicks him out of the house. She's like, nobody wants you. You need to leave here. I don't want you here. And he says he'll be out at the end of the day. She's like, Heidi wants nothing to do with you. All you do is sit on my couch. You're the worst brother ever. And what does Spencer do? La 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 la. I can't hear you. Because that is very mature. But again, that's how siblings fight, I think. But basically, he's like, I'll be out at the end of the day. I'll be out of your hair by the end of the day. Don't even worry about it. So we are back at the Lauren and Audrina abode. And we see a motorcycle right out front. So it's safe to say that Justin Bobby's there. And what do you know? Next scene, he walks out of the guest house with Audrina. And they go into the main house. And Audrina's cooking in the main house for the first time. She's like, I don't really, like, spend any time here. And he goes, I'll be your first client. And I'll have toast with butter. Justin's being very charming. Justin's aware that his old persona was not working for him and he decided to put on the charm and it worked because I am in love with Justin Bobby in this scene. But Audrina says she has no idea where anything is and Justin's like, do you ever come into this house? I mean, I'll come into the kitchen sometimes, but you don't even come in to like see your roommates and stuff. I don't know. Lo and Lauren are always upstairs and I'm always in the back. And then Audrina says it's been really awkward and Justin hates that for her. Justin wants the best for Audrina unless it's how he treats her. Then he doesn't want the best. He wants to just do the bare minimum. But I'm going to play an audio clip in three, two, one. I chose the guest house in the back just because I'm more of a private person. Whereas like Lauren and Lo constantly, they share everything. They share their clothes, their like makeup, everything, and I don't really, I'm not like that, I've never, not even with my sister. Right. Yeah, I just feel like we're just distant, it's weird. You don't want to have that, you don't want to come home I don't and want worry, it to feel and awkward. exactly, you guys are all roommates, you guys are all friends, and I mean, it shouldn't, there shouldn't be that heat at all, you know? Then it's like whenever I do try to make an effort and talk to them as a friend, she rolls her eyes or she turns her head or like texts on her phone, I'm like, I'm not going to talk to someone who does that to me. Put it this way, you gotta think of what, how you act to people. Like I, I treat people how I want to be treated. Exactly. If you don't feel like you're getting that same respect, well, maybe see some other places, you know, maybe even just check something out for you. 
So that puts a little bug in her ear that she should be looking at places for herself. And Audrina says, maybe I will look at places for myself. So we end this episode with quite the scene. We're at a private airport called in Van Van Noy, Van Noy's. <laughs> I don't know. Van N-U-Y-S, California. And we see a black Bentley rolling up. And Brent, Heidi, and Sam step out to get on a private jet to Vegas. And it's the SBE private jet. So again, Heidi's now a project manager. So she gets to go on private jets. Something I have never seen in my life. But that's okay. That's okay. It's hills. It's hills. It's fake. I'm obviously trying not to be too salty about it. Because I've done some project management in my day. But anyway, she gets to go on this private jet. And Sam starts asking her, you know... We wanted you to do this earlier and you said no. And Brent says she dropped her late, basically says she dropped her loser boyfriend. And Heidi just kind of smiles and looks out and then they're off to Vegas. And it ends with Spencer walking into the apartment and kind of looking around for Heidi. He says her name, looks around, looks really angry. And then he sits on the couch and calls Stephanie and goes, yo, where's Heidi? And that's it. That is how the episode ends. And like I said, it's not a bad episode. It's just one of those episodes that really seems like a filler one. It seems like they just wanted to remind us over and over and over that Lo and Audrina are going to have some issues. But in kind of Hills news, Ryan Cabrera got engaged. So that's exciting for him. He went all the way down on one knee to propose to Lexi Kaufman. And apparently they've been dating for one full year, but he proposed to her last night or two nights ago and she has 4.9 million followers on Instagram. So she's kind of a big deal, I'm gonna assume. But a few people have DM me being like, what do you think Audrinas thinks of all this? I'm like, Audrina and him faked their relationship for the Last Hills reboot. So I think she's okay. But this also means that She's going to have to figure out a new storyline because that whole Justin Bobby thing so played out. In other news, The Challenge just dropped their trailer for season 36. And I'm really excited. You guys know I love The Challenge. And also, they're putting two random seasons on Netflix. I believe it's season 10 and season 13. And I'm kind of wondering if it's because Mark Long, who's was on the challenge years and years and years ago. He's trying to put together like an OG challenge with OG challengers. So like him, Landon, Coral, Ruthie, Cyrus, like incredible names from way back in the day. He's trying to put together a show using them. And I'm kind of wondering if Netflix is putting that on to see if there is that interest for older seasons. And if that interest is there, then I'm guessing that they're going to pick up the OG season. Although Mark has said he's been in a lot of meetings with Bunham and Murray and they're trying to put something together. So hopefully that happens because I loved the OG people. When I tell you Katie Doyle is one of my favorite challengers of all time. And I was actually saying this to somebody, you know, I don't mind that they have athletes and like people who train for the challenge and all that. But I do miss my Katie Doyles. I do miss the people who would be during an elimination be like, give me a cigarette. And I do miss the people who weren't all athletes because I feel like that made it even more fun. Again, it's cool to see these people from like American Ninja Warrior or like Lolo Jones, who's a fucking Olympian. I'm, I don't know. It kind of takes it away from me. But you guys know I have a really hard time letting go of the past. So it could just be me. But I do miss the messiness of it all. I miss the loud like clap back queens as I like to call them. But anyway, I'm excited for the challenge. Of course, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Johnny Bananas is not on this season, which is a very exciting time for me. I know CT and Wes are on it. And then Ashley is on there. Leroy, Cam. And I think Cam's going to be good this season. I have a 
feeling Cam's really gonna kill it. It's funny when Cam, if you don't, I don't even know what show she's from. I think Are You The One originally? But when Cam first got on the challenge, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really like her. Like she was really loud and I don't know. Maybe her confidence actually frightened me because I'm not that confident of a person. But after her rookie season, I was like, wow, this girl's good. Like she's no joke. So I'm excited to see her and I really think she's going to kill it this season, which I really hope she does. I also decided to start watching Grey's Anatomy again because 2020 has already been such a disappointment. I might as well watch a show that I know is going to make me cry. And it did that. Um, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. So if you are trying to wait for spoilers or anything, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. So I'm going to give you one second. You can skip right now. But I think what is going to happen on Grey's Anatomy this season is Meredith will be diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's and this is going to be the last season. That's just what I have in my head. Or they're going to have Joe kind of take over Meredith's character. But it's funny, Ellen Pompeo's voice, like her voiceovers, just really comfort me. And I guess I forgot how much they did because I stopped watching after April and Arizona left out of like just me being mad at her. And her, of course, being Shonda Rhimes. (laughs) Me and Shonda Rhimes have had a lot of one-sided fights. I don't know if she knows it, but it's happened. But yeah, I started watching again. And like I said, it's probably been like three years since I watched the show. And I picked up, like I never stopped watching. I knew most of the characters. There were a couple newbies who I don't care about. But yeah, I am watching that again. So maybe I'll talk about Grey's a little bit more. I can talk about, if you guys like Grey's, I could definitely go into like who are my favorite characters. But I also know a lot of people are just starting to watch it. And there are like 19 seasons, so you have a while to catch up. In some pop culture news, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis have ended their seven-year engagement. Honestly, I kind of forgot about them as a couple. I'm surprised about this breakup, but Olivia Wilde actually either produced or directed Booksmart, which is one of the best movies. It was on Hulu for a while. But if you want to watch a good movie about like teenage girls being homies and like kind of being weirdos, it kind of reminds me of Super Bad actually. But it's called Book Smart and it's really, really good. Also, I forgot to talk about this last week, but Blake, Shelton, and Gwen Stefani got engaged when I already thought they've been married for like a year. So that's exciting for them. But I'm shocked they weren't already engaged. And I feel like a lot of people had the exact same response as I did. When I found out that news, the People's Choice Awards were last night. I didn't watch it because I was busy watching the Patriots, but I heard Demi Lovato's like opening monologue and it was funny. She was like, you know, I got engaged, binge watched seven seasons of Pretty Little Liars, got unengaged, just your typical quarantine. And I think Demi's a great host. I really do. Like when she's on, she's on. I think she's really funny. And I just hope Demi can stay strong because... We all know she has some demons, but she seems to be doing really well, and I love that for her. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really wanted to touch on. I have been watching The Bachelorette still. I'm rooting for Dean and Claire. I think they're cute. Dale? I said Dean. (laughs) I'm rooting for Dale and Claire. Clearly, I am a big fan of them, if I can't even remember his name. But I hope they make it. And I really like the new Bachelorette and I can't wait to kind of see what happens. I never thought I'd be somebody who watches the Bachelorette, but when there's nothing else on and you're trying to just stay home as much as possible, the Bachelorette is the way to go. Also Shark Tank. I will watch repeats of Shark Tank. I don't even give a fuck. I'll watch it all over again. And Lori Grenier is one of my like 
idols. I love her. Her and Robert are my favorite sharks. If you watch Shark Tank. Okay. I'm glad I got that out of the way. It's like, I don't care what your zodiac sign is. I want to know who your favorite shark on Shark Tank is. Okay. That's what I want to know. So by the time this comes out, I don't think it's going to be announced, but I know they are talking about the people's sexiest man of the year. They have it every year and I have some predictions. Okay. It is either going to be Chris Evans or Michael B. Jordan. Those are my two guesses. I'm locking them in. Chris Evans, Michael B. Jordan. I feel like they always have people from The Voice as their sexiest man alive, so Nick Jonas could get it. I don't know. Is he on The Voice? I think he's on The Voice. He was on The Voice. I haven't watched The Voice in a long time. But I'm going to go with, okay, that's my top three, right? Chris Evans, Michael B. Jordan, or Nick Jonas. I'm going to say one of those guys are going to be the sexiest man alive for 2020. And now we're going to jump into the interview with Bridget. I hope you guys like it. It's really fun. We talk a lot of Gossip Girl and I may have changed my opinion on Chuck. All right, everybody. I am so excited for this next guest. She has a cocktail book called XOXO, a cocktail book, which is one of the best titles ever. Bridget, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. (laughs) I have to say, I am not one, I I need a bar cart, right? I love alcohol, (laughs) and I never know how to start it, but in your book, there are actually, like, what I need in order to have a bar, so I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important part of any cocktail book, you know, obviously, this, uh, this particular book is mostly a love letter to Gossip Girl, but I wanted it to be very useful as well. So I thought that was an important, you know, set of information to, to include. Yeah, well, I appreciate it because I just drink like White Claws and I'm trying to drink <laughs> more than that. <laughs> I mean, a good White Claw is just, you know, when the situation calls for it, there's nothing better. <laughs> So I I did put a couple of the ones that I like the most. The Little J, which is a Jameson and Ginger. You have <laughs> Better Than Revenge, which has Prosecco. And then my personal favorite, which I've had multiple times, The Ultimate Insider. So <laughs> what was it about Gossip Girl that you loved to begin with? Yeah, so I watched the first couple of seasons of Gossip Girl like as a, a college student. Mm-hmm. So... You know, there's all of this drama and, you know, so many reasons to love the show. But how the book came about is, so I work for Ulysses Press, which is the publisher of the book. I'm their director of marketing and operations. And we, uh, as the team, we were kind of like brainstorming and we were talking about fun book ideas that we would love to do. And the editorial director, Casey, and I... um, I don't even really remember how it happened, but we kind of like hit on this idea at the same time, an unofficial book for Gossip Girl. And right away, we both knew like, well, it has to be a cocktail book. You know, you could do a cookbook for some shows or, you know, lots of kind of different unofficial projects. But we knew right away, this has to be a cocktail book. I mean, booze is like basically (laughs) an an A-level character in the show. (laughs) Um and even though most for for most of the seasons, most of the characters are underage, so that irony was not lost on us. But we just knew, you know, a book about Gossip Girl, a book about New York, a book about cocktails, like it all fits together. Um, so, you know, I was like, well, I love cocktails. I love Gossip Girl. So I would love to, to volunteer to write this book. Um, and that's kind of, you know, how, how it came about, uh, really. And this book has like 
200 pages. It has what? Two, <laughs> ni- 191. So this is like so crazy. I just came across one. Headbands in high school. I mean, you cannot <laughs> have Gossip Girl without headbands for Blair Waldorf. Exactly. I mean, I think there's like about just over 100 recipes in the book. And I believe the one you mentioned is in the mocktail section. You know, I had to include uh, just a few mocktails um, just, you know, to to pay tribute to the fact that so many of these characters are underage. But for most of them, I also include booze suggestions. So you can make them either way. (laughs) And that's actually really cool. So I know somebody who's just a newly sober person. And she actually said that's something she misses is like a good mocktail. Whenever she goes to a wedding, it's like I can have Pepsi or Diet Coke. There aren't really like a ton of great mocktail recipes. So I think that's really awesome you added that. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it would be, I mean, it's kind of a fun thing, you know, related to the show. But it's true. There's so many um there's a real dearth of of good delicious drinks you know that don't include alcohol sometimes um so you know I think it's really great that uh to have those options now how did you come up with some of the names like for a gin and tonic it's called the high society which of course is an episode of gossip girl right (laughs) I believe it is yes if it's not it definitely should be a title (laughs) um actually writing coming up with the titles was one of the most fun parts of this book um and there was a lot of different ways that they came about you know some of them are direct references to the show or to characters in the show other ones are kind of plays on the original cocktail name Mm -hmm. um so there's an a recipe in there Um, That's for a drink called the Silk Stockings, and the head note of that recipe is all about, um, you know, when Blair kind of does an impromptu performance um, at Chuck's Burlesque Club, and so the recipe title, I called it Down to Her La Perla, which is, you know, like a lingerie brand, so that kind of plays on both something that happened in the show and also what what the actual cocktail name is. Um, There's quite a few of those. So lots of different things, but it was, um, that was a super fun part of this, uh, kind of getting into the Gossip Girl voice and also trying to create names that sound like they could be cocktail names and aren't just, you know, phrases or, you know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Gossip Girl's my jam. I love Gossip (laughs) Girl. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you for someone who wrote a whole cocktail book about it. (laughs) so first off who did you think was gossip girl you know I knew that was gonna be your first question (laughs) and unfortunately I don't really have a great answer because here's what happened for me so I watched the first few seasons um you know back when you had to watch week by week Mm -hmm. and when I was in college and I loved it and I even um this is kind of embarrassing, but I even wrote a paper about Gossip Girl because I was a communications major. So, so did I. write papers about whatever you wanted. Did you really? Yeah, that was my senior thesis. I did um, gender roles and socioeconomic roles in the first season of Gossip Girl. Oh, wow. See, that is so much more legitimate <laughs> and creative than mine. I just 
did I was like I was a freshman I don't even remember what class it was for and it was just kind of a general you know portrayal of women in the media and I looked at Gossip Girl and I looked at you know a couple of other shows I think Lipstick Jungle which was a show that was very short-lived okay popular at at that time so but yeah like I said I was communications major so I wrote a paper about Gossip Girl later I wrote a paper about Led Zeppelin you know it was great you could kind of just (laughs) do whatever you wanted (laughs) um so anyway I uh, very religiously watched the first few seasons, um, but then as kind of happens, especially, you know, back before streaming, you miss a few episodes, you kind of fall off, you forget about it. And then, you know, it was ruined for me. I didn't, I didn't see the reveal live. So I, you know, heard through, you know, the grapevine through the zeitgeist who Gossip Girl was before I had even gotten that far in the show. Um, So, but I always just figured that it was, you know, one of Blair's minions. I felt like that kind of made the most sense to me. I didn't know there was going to be this big reveal that it was actually one of the group. Um, So, you know, she had her core group in high school and then they, you know, a couple of them came back in college and I kind of just, it was, it was assumed it was one of them kind of trying to pull the ultimate power play on Blair for treating them so badly. Okay, yeah. All of those years, you know, but then a lot of people thought it was Eric. I, I read that one of the writers wanted it to be Nate, which, you know, when you find out that he never sent a tip into Gossip Girl, it's like, okay, well, yeah, guys, that makes sense. Why did you not do that? <laughs> I know. Nate's so good, too. I feel like Nate's so <laughs> underrated. He's just like a little puppy dog. I know. He's so great. (laughs) I always thought it was going to be Vanessa. I feel like that would have been so obvious, but I really thought it was Vanessa. Yeah. That, I mean, especially in the later seasons, that would make so much sense. I know. Those later seasons got rough. Than than the real, you know, Gossip Girl. So we're going to say it. It's a spoiler alert if you haven't watched (laughs) Gossip Girl, but it is Dan. Dan Humphrey ends up being Gossip Girl, and he writes a book called The Insider, right? I believe. And, oh my God, I was so mad when that happened. And when you found out, obviously you said you watched the first few seasons, were you kind of shocked? Honestly, no. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, when you when you look at the show, of course, and, you know, so many articles have been written about all of the reasons it doesn't make sense that Dan Humphrey is Gossip Girl, <laughs> the times that... He was alone and act surprised by a blast. The times that he just wrote things that were terrible about his sister or the women that he was currently dating, you know, all of that has been explored. And, you know, I'm very a huge uh, believer in sewing up your plot holes. Um, It really bothers me when (laughs) writers don't do that. But on the other hand, I personally feel that Dan Humphrey is terrible. Yes, me too. (laughs) And so from a personality standpoint, I was not surprised. I was like, you know, he's kind of the worst. None (laughs) of this makes sense. But yeah, I'll roll with it. I mean, he sucks. So... (laughs) I guess, like, I agree with you. I thought Dan was the worst. And I think what made me the most mad about all of this, I was a big Nate and Serena person. I thought they should have been married. And then she married Gossip Girl, who, like, drugged her and threw her in the back of a limo and, like, left her. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I mean, the fact that Serena 
forgave him and so quickly really just speaks I think to the issues that Serena had I mean (laughs) that it's just to spin it so quickly into that you know gossip girl someone who has been you know kind of harassing you and your friends for many years all of a sudden that becomes a love letter I think is you know it's concerning and (laughs) she should have you know walked away and that they ended up together is um it's disappointing to say the least and one thing that's funny I think is when the show was on everybody loves Serena I feel like Serena Blake Lively all of that but re-watching it I feel like Blair really was everything when it comes to Gossip Girl and I feel like the fandom now we're all way older but I feel like people are realizing like wow Serena actually was terrible yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I rewatched the whole series, obviously, during the process of writing this book. Mm-hmm. So coming at it from a much older perspective, um, I really agree. I think Blair, you know, really kind of shaped up to be the driving force of this show. And, you know, obviously she had, she did just as many bad things as everybody else but you know she showed a lot of growth and especially in her later seasons you know when she was struggling with this whole thing of you know can women have everything and she wants to be a powerful woman in her own right and then she gets the internship at w and she's like struggling to make it all work you know watching that last year while i was writing this book i was like wow i never would have thought that i would relate in any way to blair waldorf but I guess I just was, you know, I was too young when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And watching it with fresher eyes and not being, you know, 14, 15, (laughs) what do we think of Chuck Bass? Yes, so I think that the writers realized they kind of had to turn Chuck around a little bit if the show, if they wanted the show to work because, I mean, the first episode... And, I mean, the first episode is definitely the worst um, when it comes to Chuck's early character. Right. Um, And then they kind of pulled it back a little bit, but still made him this kind of playboy. But I think of all the characters in the show, Chuck is the one who shows, like, the most actual growth and development. Um, So I know this is probably a very controversial take, but... I don't hate Chuck. I don't hate Chuck and Blair together. Oh my, okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't... think I think that's uh, you know kind of a in juxtaposition with with your opinion. I <laughs> I believe you are not a fan of them. I am not. Um... <laughs> no, but it's okay. This is a good conversation. <laughs> I just think you know of all the couples in the show, in you know if this was like in the real world and these were real people they're the two that actually make sense that they would be together. Like, I don't think it makes sense that Serena and Dan are together. I don't think it makes sense that Lily ends up with her ex-husband who did so many terrible things. (laughs) I think it does make sense that Chuck and Blair end up together. I think that might actually happen in the real world. I guess when you put it that way, okay. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) What's your big, big issue with them? I mean, when he sold her to her, to his uncle for the hotel, I was like, Chuck's done. And then I think this is when she was getting married to someone else or there was some point where he like punches the glass next to her head and cuts her face. And I was like, why? Why do we like them? 
Yes. I mean, those are two, of course, irredeemable uh, instances within a show that has many other irredeemable <laughs> events. So I know, I know. I think, you know, Chuck, obviously, a lot of problems there. Um, and I just recently watched that episode with the hotel. And yes, extremely bad. I would never encourage a friend to be with a man <laughs> who did something like that. But, you know, if I suspend my disbelief and live in this world where these things happen, you know, I think he does grow beyond that and they develop a relationship of largely mutual respect, I think. You're, um, but you're yes, right. Of course, I do. Those are very bad things. And I'll go on the record <laughs> as saying I do not condone that sort of behavior. You are correct. <laughs> I know. I guess, like, I just get too into these shows. And again, I watched it live when I was a teenager. And I'm like, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. But I am on the other side of the fence. Like, a lot of people hated Blair and Dan together. But I actually loved them. And I don't know if I, it's because I thought um, Leighton and Penn were the mo- better actors on the show. So I didn't know if that was a part of it. But... Yeah, I was Dan and Blair, and people do not like them. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so I have to agree with the other people. I was not a fan of their relationship at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, fandoms are so weird, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But what were your Dan and Blair thoughts? I just felt that, I mean, again, in the real world, like if these were real people, yes, Blair had shown a lot of growth as a person and as a character I just don't really see her moving that far from her (laughs) core values really um and also I don't really see Dan moving that far from his core values I mean he was with Serena but Serena was kind of the rebel the bad girl you know society loved her but you know she made all of these comments about, you know, not wanting that. And, and so he could kind of like make sense of it in, in his mind, but Blair's very much, you know, wants to be a part of that world and not just part of it, but rule it. And I just don't see him kind of getting on board with that to that extent. And, you know, the episode where they plan their, you know, big salon coming out party and he's like actually doing the planning with her and talking about, the music and you know the menu and you know what drinks they're going to serve and who they're going to invite I'm I just kept thinking like there's no way he would have participated in something like that if Serena was planning it he would have made some comment and kind of about his moral high ground of coming from Brooklyn and all of that (laughs) um so I just didn't buy that either one of the characters would would buy in to that extent yeah yeah, that definitely makes sense, too. I, I genuinely think it's because I thought those two were the best actors. Mm-hmm. So seeing them work so closely together, I was like, oh, my God, this is good. Yeah, I mean, definitely they are talented. And the I mean, they did, they tried some interesting things with them. But I don't know, just for me, at the end of the day, I thought their friendship was so much more real and interesting to me you know their shared love of movies which you know of course that was the foundation of Mm -hmm. their relationship but I just think if they if the writers had just kept it at this friendship 
and, um, you know, this trust that they had developed, I think it, it just would have been so much stronger. Yeah, and it seems like in teen dramas, there's no such thing as a platonic friendship. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, and in Gossip Girl especially, I mean, everybody has to be with everybody at some point or you know it just doesn't work and you know that's kind of disappointing because I think they did have um, a real opportunity there and you know I think they wasted it. So can we both agree that Chase Crawford slash Nate deserved better? Absolutely wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) (laughs) I loved Nate and like I said I didn't think Serena deserved Nate but I still loved them together. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had, I mean, I think they would be, I wasn't passionate about their relationship, but I do think that they could make sense together, you know, in the long term, ending up together certainly would have made much more sense than than Serena and Dan. Um, And, you know, I do think Nate just definitely got the short end of the stick always on relationships. (laughs) I mean, at the end, you know, he is like maybe gonna be the mayor of New York or I don't know his newspaper has a private jet which I never quite understood but yeah I just feel like he you know he should have gotten more yeah justice for Nate Archibald (laughs) exactly so who are your who was your favorite character characters like throughout the show yeah so I think my favorite character of you know the main characters would definitely be Blair if you haven't kind of already picked up on how I've spoken about her but a lot of my true favorite characters are, you know, kind of the, the series regulars, but they're not in, in the main rotation. Um, so, I mean, Georgina Sparks yes. is, like, so underrated. I mean, I hated her in the first two seasons, as everybody did. You know, she was the bad guy you were supposed to. But just when she comes back in later seasons, her, like, gleeful, <laughs> like, Insanity. embrace of just chaos for chaos's sake was so fun i loved Um, her (laughs) yeah i just watched i rewatched that episode um i forget what it's called but it's the episode where um you know charlie when we think that ivy is still charlie okay um and they're all at the i think it's like the constance alumni event or something (laughs) Mm -hmm. and georgina just shows up um and she's like been out of the game for a while and she's just like starving for a scheme and she's just like trying to break into whatever the group is doing and she just has some great lines in this episode um so i you know she ended up being super fun and in the book actually there's a couple of cocktails um dedicated to her and they were some really fun ones to write um and then i really loved cyrus um blair's stepfather Mm -hmm. Wallace Shawn, I think, is a gem, and their the evolution of their relationship was really sweet, um, and he's really sweet, and that was also one of my favorite recipes to write. Um, I gave him a cocktail called the Princess Bride Stepfather, which is, <laughs> of course, also an homage to his role in The Princess Bride. <laughs> For sure! Um, and then I think, I, you know, he was short-lived, but Carter Bazin, um, you know, Mostly just because I am a big fan of Sebastian Stan (laughs) and his work and everything he does. Um, But, you know, I think he kind of played a lot of different roles, um, you know, kind of depending on what they needed. So there Mm -hmm. wasn't like a ton of consistency, but I think overall there was growth. Um, and anytime we can get Sebastian Stan on screen, I'm cool with that. I know a lot of people actually say that Car... um... 
what was his name on the show? I'm sorry, just blank. Carter, right? Yeah. Carter Basin. Yeah. yeah, people said him and Serena should have just ended up together, and I'm like, that actually makes sense. That actually does make a lot of sense if only he wasn't, you know, doomed to the oil rig <laughs> exactly. forever. <laughs> so I know you did say you live in New York. Have you visited a lot of the new um, Gossip Girl spots? Um, I have just, you know, from kind of being out and about in New York. I mean, there a lot of, like, really common places but um I mean Grand Central obviously you just kind of if you live in New York you're kind of there um (laughs) but yeah I mean they filmed in New York so you know they didn't like go to Toronto which is you know what a lot of Mm -hmm. films (laughs) do um when they're trying to you know pretend to be in New York um so they actually filmed in New York which was great to actually see those landmarks in real life um and I know there's some Gossip Girl tours as well which I have not done you know in official capacity I've never you know paid to take one of the tours um but if anyone listening is ever in New York City you should definitely check those out because they take you to you know obviously the Met Steps um and the Bethesda Fountain in Central Park which is like you know of course Blair's favorite spot Mm -hmm. it's where she and Chuck end up getting married um, they take you to the Empire Hotel, which actually exists, um, and I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but for a long time, they actually had a menu of Gossip Girl cocktails, um, so you could get one of those as well, but yeah, I mean, tons of places that you just kind of are, you know, when you're, when you're in New York, yeah. So while we round this out, I have to ask, what are your thoughts on the reboot? Do you think that they should have just made like a whole new show? And that's how I feel. I'm like, just make a new show. This is our, let us have Gossip Girl, please. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I'm gonna watch the reboot. Um, (laughs) I'm not super like optimistic just from what I've seen so far, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna give it a shot. Um, And, you know, like, reboots can be fun, they can be really nostalgic, um, but they can also kind of, like, I don't know, kind of mess up your fond memories of the show or the movie sometimes, so, I don't know, I'm a little, I'm a little wary of it, um, I hope, you know, they do it well, and they, they prove me wrong, um, we'll see, you know, when it comes out next year, but I don't know, I think it's gonna be tough, because, because the original, Gossip Girl TV series was so big. It was, you know, so iconic and all that. You know, I just, I hope, I hope that they do it right. So I guess I lied when I said that was my last question. What (laughs) about Gossip Girl do you think made it so iconic? Because if you think about it during that time, the OC was still going on, One Tree Hill. But Gossip Girl... I mean, people love the OC and One Tree Hill. Please don't come for me, OC and One Tree Hill fans. <laughs> but I feel like Gossip Girl was like a step above those shows in a way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if it was, you know, like the fashion because, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot about fashion, but like those headbands and all of those chunky necklaces and, you know, just everything Serena wore that was kind of this like almost sloppy but covered in sequins like it was just such an aesthetic um so I don't know if that was it or you know if it was because it was based on on the books you know if the kids read the books when they were you know younger teens and then the show came out so there was more of this cult fandom around it I think that could have played a role I don't know do you have an idea what do you think I mean what makes it iconic to you I just feel like because it was so shocking 
And at that time, we had texting and stuff, but not a ton of social media, I guess. It, mm-hmm. And it also kind of reminds me of, you know, why I liked Laguna Beach in the Hills. These are rich kids that I am watching and have no idea what their life is like. And mm-hmm. I just feel like watching that, I was like, wait, wait, wait. These kids are really doing, like, coke at 15, <laughs> you know? It was so shocking. And I yeah. thought the whole cast was so good looking. <laughs> I mean, of course. Like, you can't get past that fact. Um, right. But, yeah, definitely the shock factor and kind of the – fantasy of it I guess you know to be like young and be able to kind of do whatever you want and behave as though you were an adult is you know perhaps really appealing I think I was like a little bit older you know like I was older than not than the actors on the show but than the characters on the show Mm -hmm. so I don't know maybe I was already like a little bit too um like oh honey please don't do that you know (laughs) a little bit too mom-like um to have that part of it for me but yeah I think and certainly shocking I mean what was it like the third season when they had the episode with Hillary Duff yeah the um, threesome episode and like all of the the parent groups were like you can't show this and then they just like kind of turned that into like a marketing campaign for the show like kind of playing on how shocking it was yeah yeah for sure marketing definitely helped with how big that show got Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember being in New York, like, and seeing all of those ads of, like, you know, Serena and, you know, the, like, the parents' quotes of, like, so shocking, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, not suitable for TV, and it was kind of like, oh, that was very smart. For sure. <laughs> Certainly got people interested. Now, what is your favorite cocktail recipe out of XOXO, a cocktail book? that's a tough one because there were so many fun like ones that I love to write and then there's the ones that like I personally love to drink um because I'm kind of like a very classic kind of cocktail person like old fashions G&T's things like that um I think just like recipe wise I mean I love a Cur Royale you know which is champagne and a little bit of creme de cassis delicious and very simple um but then a lot of the bourbon cocktails um you know old fashions um a boulevardier is one of my favorites and the brooklyn cocktail which is a rye based drink um yeah i'd say a lot of the bourbon ones but specifically the boulevardier and the uh the brooklyn are some of my personal favorites to drink and where can people find your book uh, it's available pretty much anywhere you would look for a book, Amazon, <laughs> um, Barnes and Noble, um, definitely I want to plug IndieBound, you know, if you're interested in shopping small this holiday season, uh, you can go to IndieBound.org and put in the title and see which independent bookstores in your area carry it. Um, but yeah, pretty much it's pretty easy to find. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and arguing about Chuck Bass with me (laughs) and kind of changing my opinion a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe just watch a couple episodes, skip the one with the hotel, (laughs) but, you know, maybe watch a couple episodes in the fourth, fifth season and see how that sits with you. Okay, I will let you know. I will let you know. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a blast. I cannot wait for the two guests we have next week. And then on December 8th, I'm recording with somebody. And that podcast will be up the following week. I'm really excited. It's a podcaster. You guys all know him. And I'm really excited to have him on. It's going to be a good time. But I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your week. And I will talk to you next week.
Bye.